0: 7.05 on CJED 800. Welcome to Today's Entrepreneur, presented by Fuller Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Fuller Landau's Josh Miller. How are you, Josh? Excellent. Thank you. Great. And on the program tonight, we have with us Jean-Marc De Laplante from Alley Up Gym. Uh, Jean-Marc, welcome to CJED. Thank you very much. So we begin uh, very simply by, uh, by asking you, what is it you do for a living? Tell us about Alley Up Gym. Okay, well I run with my family an indoor climbing facility.
1: Um, so Alley Up has uh, been around for about 16 years and we uh, we operate out of Point St. Charles uh, just south of the canal and we offer services to people who rock climb, who want to climb indoors. Not not only people who climb outdoors and train, but also beginners and you know anybody who's interested basically. So you really
2: have kind of Walls for all, all all types, all shapes, all sizes. Yeah. Beginners, intermediates, and uh, and then some.
1: Exactly, yeah. Our, our our clientele has always been really from, you know, we teach uh, probably three hundred lessons a year to beginners, um, and we also have some of our clients that are some of the best climbers in Quebec. So we really serve everyone. Now,
2: you weren't always in this business. How did how did you get into this alley up company?
1: It's kind of a funny story, actually. I was uh, about 16 when I first went to Alley Up as a client. Um, I had never heard of indoor climbing before, and when I went there, I said, this is a really cool place. I wish I could be part of this somehow, and uh, started hanging around there all the time uh, as a client, and then eventually started working there, uh, just belaying kids for birthday parties and giving lessons and stuff like that, and eventually I uh, heard that, had, that the business was for sale, and somehow convince my parents to, you know, take the step and invest uh, with me into the business. How
2: long were you working there before you decided, say, hey, maybe maybe we should venture in?
1: Five years. I started there in 1998 and uh, we bought it in 2003. So it's been 10 years now that we've owned the business. Were you still in school at the time? I was still in school. I was at uh, HSC in university uh, studying economics and uh, we bought it when I was in second year. So you're studying econ. you're in school, you're
2: studying economics, you know that, you know, the pluses gotta outweigh the minuses when it comes to business. Yeah. How did you know that this place would be right? How did you know that this place you could
1: make a go of it and make the right profits? Yeah, I think the 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 interest for me was was uh, less about the money and more about the fact that I really wanted to be involved, deeply involved in a business like this. But then when we when we were started to, you know, get interested in buying the business, I started looking at the numbers and realized that it was a great little business, and uh, it was just badly run in a way. Not fair to the previous owner, but it, it was undervalued. I would say.
0: So you think that do uh, you went in there thinking I know this business, I'm a fan of this business, I can run it better than the current owners?
1: Yeah, I think that the 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 the, the past owner was getting tired. Uh, running a business with a bunch of students as your employees is not it's quite tiring I would say so he he had kind of lost his oomph and uh, I was ready to take it on full force so I think we were as a team our family was was ready for it. So I which means that
2: you really probably had to do some convincing to your family and probably some outside people a little bit to yourself what was the first step you took uh, you know, was it a business plan? Was it just looking at the numbers? Was it saying, you know, mom, dad, this is just good for me, so I can get off your back? Like, I mean, yeah, I was,
1: I, <laughs> I was, I was quite naive at first. I, I, you know, told told the owner that I was interested and started started building a very preliminary business plan, and even approached people for financing on my own. and People, people like like the banks, a bank, yeah, a bank, and some uh, some friends of mine that uh, could could have had money to invest, parents of friends of mine, and um, what was that first experience of the bank when you walked in with your first business plan? It was a little bit humiliating in a sense because that I really didn't know I you know I had I'm studying business administration economics. You would think that I know how to approach these things, but it was it was the learning curve was quite steep, I would say uh, they they didn't laugh, but they <laughs> said, you know, go you know work on this a little bit, come back when you have something a little bit more solid. So at that point I kind of forgot about it for a few few months and then finally got the family involved uh, and we it took about a year to really go through it together as a family and then when we finally made the decision, uh, we went ahead and it's been a great decision
2: ever since. Let's talk business plans for just a second, because certainly when starting up or when buying a business or or something of the like, really understanding it and getting to know the business and and seeing if it's really worth your while, mm-hmm. business plans serve a great purpose. They not only not only for financiers of the bank, but they're really for your own yeah. personal use. Exactly. So, after that first kind of draft of a business plan, did you did you kind of? If, did it evolve from there, did you, did you do any further ones? Did you kind of take it apart? Tell me the importance of a, of a good business plan in, in your own viewpoint.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that when I, when we went about it the second time, my parents really helped and tell, told me, you know, you have to show us how you're going to create value here because you all your ideas are great about, you know, building the community and things like that, but how is it going to correlate to dollars and cents? And uh, going through that was important because I also understood that I had to, it had to make business sense, mm-hmm. and not just sense for making it a great place to be. You know, it had to correlate to something. But um, more than that, I think that we we really it helped us evaluate what the business was worth uh, because the price, the purchase price was you know, all over the place, you know, the, it was, it was really, when it came down to making the business plan, that's when we said, okay, we can pay this much for the business. And, uh, that's how much we paid. When you're, when
2: you're evaluating the business, it's always an interesting event or timing to go and get information from the actual owner. Mm -hmm. Did you have difficult time getting that information, dissecting it, trying to figure out what's real versus what's not? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I would say that the, that really played to our advantage at the, the The owner at the time wasn't doing a great job of keeping his books in order. And uh, in that situation, if you're thinking about selling your business, make sure your books are in order before you uh, no start question. handing things out. Because uh, once we start asking questions and he's like, oh, no, this number is more here and da, 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 and then you uh, you realize that the ball
0: is in your court. Were you ever concerned that, that uh, the business was too fun to make money? Um, I think my parents were concerned with that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't,
1: uh, I had seen it grow in the last five years and, uh, yeah, it's a great business. It's super fun. But I think that there are many things that make it, uh, a very, one of the things that Aliab does well, and it did it well before I was involved is that people come, they enjoy it and they stay for a very long time. And I think that that has a lot of value and, uh, we have, we have clients that, you know, they, they say that they raised me because I, they knew me when I was 16 and working there, you know? So, uh, that to me is, was the key factor for, yeah, it's fun, but it's also a great community where people stay and, you know, get year passes year after year. When you first were, were figuring out to buy this business
2: on the first time in, how many hours did you, Spend there? I mean, did you live there? Did you really want to? I mean, to get to know that business, you really got to spend time. It's not a, a
1: nine to five job anymore. No, yeah. And especially that the busy times for Alley Up are at night. Um, during the day, you're getting stuff ready and then you end up staying into nine, 10, 11 o'clock sometimes. So uh, at the very beginning, it was my mother and I working around the clock. Uh, my mom had a job in manufacturing and she quit that job to come and work uh, with me at the gym. And we just, I remember working so, so hard and so long um, uh, and just spending so much time there that you would get sick of it at times. You know, like, (laughs) I hate climbing. I don't want to be involved anymore. (laughs) But I think that that's when you, when you work hard like that, uh, that's when you create the value. And uh, we really put a lot of sweat equity into it.
2: And there's no question that there are sacrifices that come along with it. It's interesting you said your mom quit her job to join you. Mm-hmm. And I think when we come back from the break, we'll explore that just a touch more.
0: 719 on Today's Entrepreneur. Welcome back. Our guest this evening, Jean-Marc Laplante from Alley Up Gym. And uh, Josh, we're talking about, uh, about family businesses and how this uh, started out as a project between him and his parents. And it was
2: really, you know, he threw in it just in the last seconds before the break. He was like, oh, yeah, and my mom quit her job to join me. And I kind of thought that was pretty interesting because, you know, nobody quits their job on a whim and, you know, it's definitely must be a thought process. So maybe you can elaborate a little on that and how your idea really came into this family affair.
1: Yeah. I think that it's something that stressed me out a lot too. And I knew that my mom was going to be quitting her job and, uh, and kind of diving right into it. But at the same time, I, uh, I know my mom quite well and I knew that she would, she's a hard worker. I think that's one of our family traits. And uh, I knew that we would be able to make it work, basically. Um, although at first working with your with your mom all day every day, it's a <laughs> it's a, quite an experience. Uh, but it's great now because we're so close. The family's really close, and it's uh, it's really been a good experience
2: overall. Now coming back to the buying a business, because it's always very interesting. You know, we 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 get a lot of people that start their own business on the show, and some that buy another business. That must involve a whole level a whole process that uh, that is very interesting i'm sure you learned a lot from of that whole buying experience between dealing with the owner and the professionals the lawyers the accountants is there anything that stood out is there anything you can recount to us that you felt uh, you learned the most from
1: it was it was an interesting position for me especially at the time because i was working there so the relationship with my boss was evolving and changing and the relationship with the other employees that were around was also changing because I was gonna be their boss and they knew that. knew that. But uh, I think the key things that I remember was it felt a lot better once we started involving the right people, uh, getting a good lawyer to help mm-hmm. us work through the legal issues, getting a good accountant to help us filter through all the, the stuff, even though me my parents uh I mean my both my parents are very skilled in accounting and things mm-hmm. like that having a th- outside person that can really help you clear your clear your head is is really great and uh, i guess
2: to bounce your thoughts off of as well yeah
1: exactly they they're not involved in it they don't have their 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 finances aren't at stake so they mm-hmm. have, look at it with a clearer head and it's been the same thing um with our building the new gym that we just did last year um I really learned that the, having the right people involved is really the most important factor. There's specialists in everything, and you need to really go and get those brains and bring them around the table. Did it take a long time to close that deal from beginning to end?
2: Yes, and if uh, so
1: why um I think that it took a quite a long time, almost a year, and uh I think because the owner was the old owner was quite attached to to his business even though he was clearly uh unhappy there he still had some emotional uh attachment to it and that got kind of kind of complicated so he would come back on his uh on our negotiation sometime to say wait i'm not willing to do that mm-hmm. anymore so that was that was pretty complex but then the due diligence and everything also takes a lot of time and uh it it, it really does uh, by the end you're when the deal is done it's like Okay, I feel like I've already climbed a mountain. Now I need to actually run the business that I just bought, so. or or at least climbed a wall. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, de- dealing with family in your business is, it
2: can be, you know, a great experience. It can be trying, but one of the one of the items that is sometimes difficult to overcome or deal with is the roles that each play. Mm-hmm. You know. I you're there working with your mom who does what do you know do you overlap do you complement do you, do you supplement each other do you argue a little bit and I think when we come back from the break we'll talk a little bit about how you divide the roles mm-hmm. amongst the family that's in the business and kind of we'll figure out things from there
0: Jean-Marc de la Plante from Aliop Gym our guest this evening on Today's Entrepreneur at 7:23 7:25 on Today's Entrepreneur our guest is Jean-Marc de la Plante from Aliop Gym and uh, so, there are the a rock climbing business, Josh. Family business. Uh, parents got involved at in the early stages. And uh, shall we uh, continue with Josh? Uh,
2: yeah, just just to quickly know the roles between you and your mom, because it's the two closest family members in the business. Is it
1: easy to divide roles? Do you overlap constantly? Uh, no, it took it took us about five years to figure out who was going to do what. Because <laughs> at first we were we were uh, you know we weren't ready for that kind of. Uh, all the work basically, uh, but now there 's a lot more of the family that 's involved um, my my father is like the the board of directors of the company is is the whole family basically mm-hmm. my both my parents, my brother joseph and my sister Geneviève. and uh we've we've got it pretty dialed in terms of who does what my sister is really in charge of marketing and human resource. My brother um, is the chairman of the board and he's uh he works in Toronto in the finance financial and mining uh sectors so he has you know his more corporate side that he brings to the table i'm the dreamer and the person who <laughs> always wants to do different crazy things and everybody just puts their uh, their hand on their forehead creating a higher wall to climb. yeah exactly and then uh and my parents have been really good at you know being they're the owners they're the sole owners of the company uh but they really listen to us and they really let us do what we want with the company, which is, uh, really great. What yeah. happens when you disagree? You ever
2: use an outside advisor? Do you ever like bounce ideas off of the outside advisors? Cause your board is really
1: family. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we have people that we, we use. We, we trust our top employees a lot to bounce ideas off of. And like I was saying earlier, I've known some of my clients for a really long time, so sometimes I'll just go and ask them a quick question or see how they feel about something and, uh, Generally, if if we're disagreeing, um, obviously the owners have the final say. <laughs> but uh, you know, we don't really see it that way. Like, although my parents are the owners on on paper, you know, we're really if if it's four against one, we'll we'll go that way. They they've never come out and said
2: you're spending money recklessly. Uh, you know, let's let's keep your ideas in check you are financing your financing i mean that's got to be a huge thing they put the money in the business mm-hmm. uh do you control your finances as well do you like what what's the lesson what's the kind of philosophy you apply in running your business from a cash flow standpoint
1: uh w- my mother is really the controller she she make sure that all everything that's going out is going to pay someone that did something useful useful for the business. <laughs> so uh she she keeps us and in check. You still and, get paid, right? Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> Even it's if good. I do uh if I waste my time for a week. <laughs> but yeah, I we uh we we have quite good control of the uh of the situation. It does happen that I'll spend too much time, which is also money, or or too much actual money on on something that's a bit pointless and they'll say, look it's a great idea, but maybe we should just put that on the back burner for now and and move forward. But uh, for the financing part, uh, you know, it was it was quite the experience financing this new project, and uh, we learned a lot, and we learned how to work on very detailed projections that we still keep up to date, and uh, I think that keeps us all reassured in a way. We know more or less what what the cash situation is going to be like in six to twelve months, so it. it it goes pretty well. We're pretty confident in what we're doing. The cash flow projection that you're talking about—did you do that for the bank or for yourselves? We did it for the bank, uh, and uh, at the time, I remember being a little bit frustrated by it. And but it's the best thing that we've ever done. I think that we uh, we learned a lot from it. And any time that we want to see if something's a good idea, we always go back to that and and uh, look at it from the cash flow perspective. And you know, Dan.
2: So many people do these cash flow projections, so many entrepreneurs for the bank, for third parties. they get into it, they go detailed, some are some are less detailed, some figure out you know I just gotta get it. I just gotta get my financing, so let me just do it for them. But the reality is the bank should be the second person you're doing it for the third mm-hmm. it's for yourself you really to control your business to see what's coming up to really plan ahead and not mm-hmm. always run by the seat of your pants yeah. that's that's where the biggest benefit is I mean yes okay it serves a purpose of of hopefully getting financing but if you're not using it for your own purposes, then I think uh, I think you're doing yourself a disservice. Yeah. Uh, I think when we come back, there's so much talk about. We talked about family. We talked about little financing startup. We've got marketing to cover. We've got human resource to cover. When we come back from the break. Uh, we'll, we'll grill Jean-Marc a little bit more.
0: Yeah, and what happens when an employee becomes the boss? How do the other employees react to that? So we'll get to that question. Uh, after the news, Jean-Marc De La Plante is our guest from Alley Up Gym on Today's Entrepreneur. 7.34 on Today's Entrepreneur. Welcome back. This is a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Josh Miller, of course, of Fuller Lando. And our guest this evening is Jean-Marc De La Plante from Ali Up Gym. It's an indoor uh, rock climbing facility in Point St. Charles. And uh, um, not a meat market, Jean-Marc. Uh, sorry, <laughs> but but you, but you said people do sort of. Uh, there's a, there's definitely a, s- a social community aspect that I that I just want to ask you about real briefly. And you met your your significant other there as well.
1: Yeah, I met my my girlfriend there. We've been together now uh, five years. And uh, a lot of the people that I I know have met their significant other th- others there, and now they have the kids, and the kids come and climb at the gym as well. Mm-hmm. And it's just a great place to uh, to hang out. Imagine when you're doing yoga, for example, you're in this room and everybody. You're side by side with, you know, uh, guys and girls or whatever you're interested in. And then you can't talk to them. Although, but with climbing, there's a lot of socializing. Like you chat with people about different ways to climb the roots and this and that. So it's a really great place to uh, to meet people and to uh, be part of a community.
0: And you try to sorry Josh do you try, do you try to sort of um t- to sell that community aspect when you when you take a look at your marketing plan that that you're really creating sort of not just just a place where people work out but a place where people can can socialize
1: yeah definitely I think it's our biggest uh, the the most important aspect of the gym is the community uh, you talked about marketing we don't really spend any money on marketing uh, we really believe that if you if you treat your customers really well they will bring uh, customers to you uh, without you having to spend money on too many ads or things like that. Um, at the same time, uh, sorry, I think that uh, people people come because they're interested in climbing and then they stay because they're interested in the community. I have some clients that joke that sometimes we used to have a chessboard on, on one of our tables just like painted onto the table. This guy would just come and play chess for two hours and realize that he hadn't climbed, but then he had to go home. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a great place to hang out. Has your marketing philosophy
2: stayed the same from the beginning? Like when you first bought it, you didn't feel like you had to go out and make a blitz, you know, new owners and no. whatever. It's It's been pretty constant and pretty word of
1: mouth the whole way. Mm-hmm. We've learned uh, to use, obviously, social media and um, we do... I, I would say present ourselves a lot better and communicate better what our vision is, but we don't we don't have uh, a very large marketing budget, if if you will. We uh, we'd much rather uh, yeah spread the word through our clients. Uh, we've we've tried things like you know bring bring your friend mm-hmm. and we'll give you half off or something like that. But really, people do it naturally. You don't really need to stimulate it that much if you really create a place that's awesome and and spend the money that you would spend. Uh, on marketing. on marketing you spend it in the gym doing improvements and things like that it really helps to uh to grow the business organically so does that mean there's not much competition out there there is um there are 3 climbing gyms on the island that are commercial gyms um but i think that we you know when there were just two we were we've we've always been the the climbers gym so the place where people go it's not just four climbing walls and, you know, people walk in one end and money comes out the other. It's really uh, where you go to meet other climbers to go climb outside or, you know, socialize and things like that. So it's, uh, it is a competitive, there are competitors, but I would not say that uh, we're in huge, I know, it's not a race to the finish with the competitors. So, but how do you stay ahead of them? Like, you know, if there's only a couple are growing,
2: do you just try to make sure you just have the best facility? And hopefully, in the right location,
1: and yeah. if so, is is that the only thing or or what's next? I think that we yeah, we try to keep the the climbing spirit alive at the gym, even though it is growing, and there's more and more clients we we uh, we try to quote unquote keep it real mm-hmm. <laughs> and just uh, make sure that our core clients are the the true climbers are happy, and if we can do that, then everybody else just wants to be a part of that in a way. so is location important? Location is very important. Uh, We're, you know, Alley Up is in kind of an odd location when you think about it. Uh, 15 years ago, Point St. Charles was not the uh, happening place that it is now. And uh, we managed uh, to grow in that that uh, kind of environment. And I think we were also part of what contributed to make it a better place. A lot of people discovered the Point by trying to find the gym and getting lost and being like, what (laughs) neighborhood is this? So, uh, so yeah, it's been, it's been really good for us, uh, where we've been. You,
2: you know, you've been owning and operating this facility for the last say 10 years, even though it's been around 16, does it stop at one place? Like, do you think well beyond today and, uh, and other locations that you either may open or just make this one
1: even better? Yeah, we, <clears throat> well, two things. First of all, we do have a growth plan. Um, I think we have a really good formula that can do really well in other markets, so we are looking at at growth in that respect but also in terms of working on the present business um i once uh, a friend once told me if you if your business is is running itself it's cuz it's rolling downhill <laughs> so uh i that's always kind of stayed in my head and we spend a lot of time making things trying to make things better even though they're they're pretty good work on them make them better make them easier for the client you know change our policies so they're easier to understand or things like that. We just try to always uh, make sure we're on point.
2: Now, we've been talking a lot about people in some way, shape or form the startup and the buying of the business and marketing and competition is a lot, a lot about people. And of course, you need the right people to keep that community spirit and that community environment alive and well and going at LA Up you know what the the question that Dan asked just before uh just before the break at 30 you bought a business you're 21 years old how do people look at start looking at you as an owner versus as a co-employee yeah and that...
1: where's the level
2: of respect that
1: you have to build up um it took a really long time because i was quite close with the people that that were working there when we bought it and uh i would say it took 3 to 4 years before well a lot of them stopped working there And, uh, it took a long time, but I also, you know, I'm I'm quite a shy person or I was when I was a teenager and, uh, until you came on air until I came on air. Exactly. No, I was, I was quite shy and I, I really learned to communicate with people. And, you know, at first I was, it was excruciating for me to delegate and to tell people what to do until I realized that as an employee, you want that you want to be told, not you know, every two seconds. But you want to be told what your objectives are and what your what what will make the owners happy if you do your job correctly and things like that. So, when I started disconnecting myself, um, not completely, but in a way disconnecting myself from the the employees, or at least not being best friends with them. Yeah, there's uh, a, there's a line to be drawn at some. Point. Yeah, there's a slight line to be drawn. Doesn't mean you can't hang out with them and 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 you know go for drinks after work. But when I created that relationship of like, okay, I'm the boss and you guys are the employees. It really helped to just clarify things.
0: Did you have to have a talk with them? Did you have a sort of like a group meeting when you took over saying, listen, guys, I'm in charge now. Here's how it's going to be or? Yeah,
1: but it was, it was uh, it would have been good in a, comedy, in, in a comedy routine because I was trying to be, I was trying to stay cool and say, you know, guys, things are going to change. It's going to be just like it was before and da, da, da. And then I quick, quickly realized that, no, it, it had to evolve and it had to change. And it's not to say that it's a bad thing. I mean, we were, I, I think Alley Up is still a really good, great place to work. But when we bought it, it was much more of a free-for-all. You know, if we, The employees didn't feel like taking a large uh, school group the next day because they were going climbing. They'd just say, oh, sorry, we're all booked up, and they'd hang up the phone, mm-hmm. you know, whereas now <laughs> we have much better systems in place to make sure that we, we serve everybody correctly and stuff like that. So does the,
2: the, the profile of your employee today is it different than what it was 10 years ago? yes definitely how how has it changed
1: we 10 years ago we were afraid to hire anyone who wanted a full-time job or had any uh, commitments like children or a mortgage for example and uh, we we would hire only students because we think you know we can't promise them anything and they can't promise us anything so it's kind of a fair trade and in the end after a couple years we started to realize you know what we can't rely on people who are here one month and not the other and it takes a long time to train and costs a lot of money to train people so we started hiring people that had uh, more demands from us and it forced us to be a lot better at offering them something really good that made them want to stay and now we have of 26 employees I think about six or seven of them have children and have bought homes and it's a really good feeling to know that you're surrounded with people that have made your business their career choice at least for now.
2: It's it's not always easy to find and keep people. What's been some of your
1: successes in in the way you retain your good people? Um I think the climbers anybody who's interested in climbing I would say is I don't want to say a free spirit but is someone who puts a lot of value in traveling and and for that for them they trade off, you know, a higher salary for more freedom to to leave for six weeks or something like that so that's something that we've worked on a lot is making anybody who's full-time giving them that option to eventually if it's during the summer or you know uh, sometimes even in the dead of winter which is our busy period we've let people go on two-month vacations to Thailand or something like that because let's face it if you want to go climb a cool mountain somewhere it takes time to get there and once you're there you don't want to just spend a week and come right back so uh, that's one of the things we do to really keep our employees happy and coming back it sounds like you know you've
2: taken the time to really understand what makes the people you work with tick and that's hugely important to make your your business a success and while we stay on the talk of the topic of human resources because i know there's more things to talk about and you know there's a, a formality behind some things and an informality behind others uh we have uh, Michelin maillet that's uh, coming up after the break
0: Great. More on HR, and also joining us Jean-Marc de La Plante from Allieb Gym. Uh, so that's all coming up on today's Entrepreneurs. Uh, we're talking the HR angle now with uh, Fuller Landau's HR specialist and uh, Micheline Mayette. Welcome back, Micheline.
3: Good night. Hi. Hi. <laughs>
2: you know, you know, Dan. Uh, I, I mentioned policy manuals earlier. Policy manuals are an interesting, an interesting product to use in the environment. I think there's a lot of companies that don't have it. A lot of companies that do. There's certainly many benefits for. Uh, And Micheline, I guess to just to to kick us off, why have an employee policy manual?
3: Well, a lot of companies, you know, think, okay, we're going to do this because we want to lay down the law, let everybody know what the rules are, what they can and can't do. Obviously, yes, there's a benefit for the employer for doing it for that purpose. Um, But I also see a huge benefit just in terms of the management team, knowing what the rules are for themselves as well because sometimes it can be very ambiguous you know the if not they're kind of left to themselves to decide how am i going to treat this situation or this situation and what ends up happening is that of course not all the managers will come to the same decision one manager will decide yes i'm gonna pay the sick time off another manager will decide i'm gonna pay when this person's uncle died but not when this person's great aunt died and so you know it creates certain inequities and that's where the employees start noticing, you know, Oh, yeah, I re- really wish I worked in this department because they get a lot better than we do. And so, yeah, it can create a lot of inequity definitely. Take advantage
2: of the inconsistency. Yeah. So I'm wondering when you're creating that manual that can have a million different different aspects to it, we can come to that in a moment, who gets involved in creating it? Is it just the top people, the owners, or should you really get some of the others involved so that you know kind of what may come your way?
3: I definitely think it's important to get the management team involved in it. Um, it can be a very daunting task for a lot of companies. So, I mean, there are people, uh, specialists in HR, you know, obviously that can help with this type of thing who, you know, know how to do it. Because if not just kind of write it from scratch can be very difficult, but I would definitely say get the managers involved because they're the ones who actually have to apply these policies after. So you might think it's great to, you know, set a certain rule, but maybe in its actual applications, the managers will see something that the owner didn't, for example.
2: Jean-Marc, do you have uh, an employee policy manual in place?
1: We do, we do. And I I, I think it's always going to be work in progress. Uh, so, But we're, we're, we're trying to formalize a lot of those things. I, I like what you said about some people getting paid vacation or if they're missi- missing a day or, or whatnot, because that definitely used to happen, probably still happens, uh, to be honest, in our business. So we uh, we realize now the importance of those policies, and we mm-hmm. try to formalize it as much as possible. Did it did it exist before you bought the business? Oh no no no! no oh, you no, created no. it. No, nothing existed when we bought the business, <laughs> 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 except for the client base was there. But everything else we 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 made from scratch. And now we we as we're trying to grow, we actually have a a full manual for how to run a good climbing gym, basically. Uh, that in also has uh, employee policy stuff in it.
2: Yeah. What would be included? I mean, you know, is it is it how to how to do your job, or <laughs> or is it more like okay, if this certain thing happens as an employee and you're in the employer employee relationship, this is what happens.
3: Yeah, I mean, we'll talk more about small medium sized business because the bigger the company, the more detailed often the policies could be. Um, you know, I would just say it's the general guidelines within a job. A lot of companies actually don't want to do a policy manual because they feel it's going to be too restrictive. So they say, oh, you know, I I don't want to have such a tight rule for this. I want to have some flexibility. But just because you have a general rule doesn't mean you you can't make the occasional exception to it also. So I mean there's some judgment that could still be allowed in it now if you're not going to respect it at all then there's no point in having it but you could you know there's always some flexibility that you could have in there
2: and certainly we know entrepreneurs you know what they think one day they might change their mind yeah the next and it's day.
3: definitely always a work in process it's never i mean laws change so just practically speaking you're going to have to change it sometimes there's also changes in you know society like social media you know policy manuals that we worked on 10 years ago didn't have any policy on social media where today it's definitely a must-have
0: more on HR issues and also Jean-Marc Laplante's one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur. That's on the other side of this. 7:55 on today's entrepreneur remaining minutes. And uh, we're talking with Jean-Marc Laplante from Aliep Gym, a rock climbing facility in Point St. Charles. And we're talking HR as well with Michelin Mayetta for Orlando. And uh, more about uh, human resources before we get to Jean-Marc's uh, piece of advice for today's entrepreneur.
2: We're talking about policy manuals. And I guess uh, the next logical question to Michelin is: what are typical policies? that you've seen in manuals, and maybe what are some of the more avant-garde ones that you don't see too often, but that still apply?
3: Um, Well, I would say two most important policies to have in the manual. Uh, One of them is with regards to computer usage, so employees using their computers. If a company doesn't actually have a written policy that's actually sent out to employees that employees know about, stating that employees should have no expectation of privacy when using their computer they can actually do whatever they want with the computer and if ever there was something that went to court or was litigious, the employer wouldn't necessarily be able to use it against the employee because the employee could say that they felt that they, you know, they had a right to privacy when using it. So that's super important to have. Um, Another one that's very important is with regards to harassment. Uh, Quebec for several years now has had a law on psychological harassment in the workplace and one of the employer's obligations is to have a policy stating what is harassment, Um, you know, obviously that it's not permitted in the work environment obviously and what uh, employees rights are and what they should do should they feel they're being harassed and so on that's very important because it's um there's actually a law stating that employers have an um, obligation to prevent harassment and the main way to do so is by having a policy
2: in a nice social community with everybody wearing tight climbing clothes i'm sure there's never <laughs> harassment issues that
3: that come up at
2: alley up <laughs> no it's uh we're we're quite good at that <laughs> <laughs> very professional, I know <laughs> are there any areas Micheline, you see that that are a little bit uh a little bit different a little more get, well, well today do...
3: you're seeing more and more policies on flexible work arrangements, so like um what he was saying before about having a policy where you know people can take a leave of absence to travel. you see that type of thing more and more often now um you know we're offering four days a week part time uh, shared work arrangements so um, People are being a lot more flexible and I think there is an advantage of formalizing the policy because a lot of people will say that, you know, they feel it's a given right once, the, once they've been given this work schedule, but it's not. It's really a benefit the employer is giving you. And so just to remind the employees, you know, what are the kind of rules to having this in terms of maybe responding to clients' needs and so on, taking care of your workload, um, and also to remind them that it could be removed if it doesn't work out.
2: Is that you know some people that can't do them on their own? I guess you know need help. Does the government offer any type of of assistance in creating these employee manuals?
3: Yeah, there's um, there are definitely subsidies available through Emploi Quebec. Um, it varies from one year to the other depending on their budget and so on. But yes, there's definitely subsidies available.
2: Great, thank you very much. Important stuff, policy manuals. Not everybody has them, but uh, but you should. Jean-Marc de la Plante, I turn to you and ask you. If you had some pieces of, of some words of wisdom, pieces of advice to give to today's entrepreneur,
1: what would it be? Yeah, I was thinking about it while we were talking, and I think I'm gonna give three three tips. I'll try to keep it short, though. First of all, I mentioned earlier involving the right people, and I think that that's really key. Especially, uh, I've been in situations in financing where I'm not sitting in front of the right person, and I'm trying to get one kind of financing when they do something else. And it's really important to make sure you're sitting in front of the right people and also consulting with experts. Uh, secondly, learn to communicate really well because bad communication will ruin even the best idea. So you need to work on that all the time. Uh, if it's an email or a business plan or anything, you need to write and speak very well. Um, and last piece of advice, um, I've always found that I've never really focused on the profits. They've kind of come from, uh, working in the right direction. and trying to make people happy basically if, if my goal is making people happy i'll make money because of the business that i'm in first of all but um people that i from my experience people that are too focused on that margin at the end they kind of lose their focus you, we're all in business to make money but first first of all we need to please our clients so
2: Uh, great three pieces of advice and Dan I'll tell you give you the takeaway that I get and certainly listen to the to the last uh, few points that Jean-Marc made is entrepreneurs that have their feet on the ground will absolutely go ahead in this world you know those that really are very aware of their surroundings their environment the people that they touch that they need that will help those are the ones that are absolutely going to be a success so keeping your feet on the ground on the ground uh, Jean-Marc kudos to you for that Jean-Marc
0: De of Alley Up Gym, thanks very much for joining us this evening. And uh, Michelin Mayette, HR specialist at Philorlando, thank you. And Josh, next week, 7 p.m. next Monday, for another edition of Today's Entrepreneur.